Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento, and I'll tell you what, personally and professionally, I'm so excited for today's episode and this conversation that I have with an amazing entrepreneur who for a long time, I've heard great things about because personally, one of my closest friends on planet Earth gets the great opportunity to work with today's entrepreneur. And she has told me only the most amazing things about his perspective on life, his perspective on business, and how deeply he serves his clients. So we are all in for a treat in today's episode. Today's guest, his name is Kevin Cape. Kevin, firmly believes that work is broken, and as a result, it gets the bad rap that it deserves. But Kevin has proven with clients time and time again that it can be one of the most beautiful things we do as humans, and he's in relentless pursuit of everyone getting on board with that. One thing that I think is really unique about Kevin's work is, I don't know if I've seen this messaging before, he wants to teach you how to do leadership rather than just be a leader. So there's so much great stuff that we're gonna dive into today. I'm not gonna say anything else. Let's dive straight into my interview with Kevin Cape. All right, Kevin, I'm so excited that you're here today. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Heck yeah. Well, I told listeners a little bit about you. I love how small the world of entrepreneurship is and how you and I have always been one degree apart from each other. But fill in those gaps for listeners. Give them the short story of how the heck you evolved into doing all these awesome things that you get to do today. I think I'm going to fill in the gaps for your listeners first by saying how you pranked me before we started this recording. You think you're going to get away with not revealing that, but that mutual friend of ours you had come on and surprised me before we started recording the, the podcast. And honestly, honestly, it was a wonderful treat. It was, it was, that was pretty fun. So it was a good time. But the way I got into doing what I'm doing is uh, I was kind of just jumping around different jobs, um, trying to figure out when I was younger what it was I really wanted to do. Um, I was working in nonprofits, doing after school and like kids camps for a while. And then I ended up at a private jet company called Jet Suite. I was there uh, pretty near the beginning and uh, started out in an operations role. And uh, once I got into that role about two, three months in, I realized that our culture was not strong. It was not powerful. It was not helping people perform. It was not making employees happy. And I pitched the senior leadership. I said, Hey, let me, uh, let me take over the culture. <clears throat> and, uh, they kind of kicked that around, uh, amongst one another for a while. And then called me down to the CEO's office one day, probably like a few weeks later said, all right, man, we're gonna give you enough rope to hang yourself and good luck. And, uh, from there it was kind of like, uh, my first entree into uh, working with like high powered, high capacity executives and helping them understand uh, the struggles and the challenges of uh, their staff working day to day. And then kind of got a reputation as like the personal mission statement guy. And a uh, guy that I ran track with in college asked me if I'd coach him on his personal mission statement. He was a financial advisor. I didn't really understand what he was proposing to me. I said, what? I don't really, what do you mean? He goes, well, we'll just meet for like an hour a week, every week. And you'll teach me like how to speak to my personal mission statement and, and, and help me figure out what it is. And I thought, you're going to pay me for this? He said, yeah, man, let's try it. I said, okay. <laughs> if you say so. And so um, it went well. And he ended up referring me to someone who referred me to someone. And that kind of snowballed until one day I met a uh, full-time executive coach. And I said, man, I want to do what you do. Uh, and uh, so I went to hire him and he told me a rate that I was like, you got to be kidding me. I absolutely can't afford that rate. But um, I signed the contract for 30 days from that date. I said, I'm going to find the money. 
And lo and behold, I found the money, started with him. He taught me how to sell coaching programs. And ever since then, it's been onward and upward, just um, doing what I love. Yeah, I love that overview. And Kevin, you know what? It's not often that I get to prank podcast guests and it's not often that guests get to call me out. So I love that we both had that opportunity here today. Definitely a very fun overlap. And it's also fun because full transparency for listeners. Listeners love hearing the behind the scenes stuff. Typically, I get to talk to guests before we hit record, but we were having too much fun in this prank today that this is genuinely the very first time that you and I get to have a conversation and connect. And it's here in front of thousands of listeners all around the world. And and like I teased you, in your bio, that's one aspect of your work that so fascinates me, that concept of doing leadership as leadership being a verb, not a noun that we aspire to be. And for me, the thing that really lights me up about that approach, Kevin, is that when it comes to verbs, when it comes to doing leadership, it speaks to a concept that I have near and dear to my heart, which is reps. People always say like, oh, you're a great podcaster. And I'm like, well, I wasn't. Go listen to episode one. It was absolutely terrible. But (laughs) 700 plus episodes in, and of course, I've gotten better at it. So to hear from your perspective that leadership is something we do means that it's also something that we can practice, have reps at, and get better at. Talk to us about that perspective. Why? is it that that's such a core part of your messaging? Yeah, I think first and foremost, uh, the issue with being a leader is so many people don't consider themselves leaders. Uh, They don't think, oh, I'm someone who's a leader. They think, oh, well, I'm just, you know, I'm new to this or, uh, and and I'd say a, a big part of it is the highest performing individuals always always, 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 always have imposter syndrome. So if you're listening and you have imposter syndrome, good news you're probably high capacity, but that's a big barrier to go from being a producer in a role to actually being a leader as you go, okay, well, that's not me because I'm questioning myself all the time. I'm dealing with all this anxiety. No, these are the behaviors that we need to execute in order to do leadership. So it helps people step into the possibility of being a leader. That's one thing. Secondly, I'd say, um, you know, if you're going to evaluate your leaders in your organization, are they doing well? Are they not doing well? If you're evaluating them on how to be a leader, that's problematic. And it's problematic from a performance standpoint, but it's problematic uh, from a standpoint of people who don't traditionally um, get catapulted into leadership roles, having a harder barrier, women, people of color getting into those roles. And that's just like, fully morally wrong. And then I'd say the third part is that, you know, when you're doing leadership, it's much easier in the fray in the melee of the day to day to stop and go, okay, hold on. We've gotten really clear on what it is we need to do in order to do leadership. And instead of worrying about, am I enough? Am I the right person? Am I cut out for this role? I can just go back to, okay, today is an absolute melee. I'm just going to do the things that I know I've said I need to do as a leader. So it makes leadership more approachable. It makes leadership more equitable. It makes leadership more measurable from a performance standpoint. And quite honestly, it just kind of makes it more fun too, which is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Fun is at the core of why so many of us as entrepreneurs love what we do. We don't have someone else setting those rules for us. So yeah, clearly you and I are having fun on the air and hopefully it's an inspiration for listeners here today that this is the way that business should be. It's not always going to be fun and it's certainly not always going to be easy, but it's always up to us to have the opportunity to show up and do the things that we need to do for that growth. And Kevin, obviously we're going to talk about business growth here today because I know that that's what your coaching is all about, those tangible business 
business results. Listeners also know that we always ask our guests, what's your zone of genius? And Kevin, I love what you wrote. You wrote sniffing out BS and waste and getting founders and CEOs to courage and clarity. I want to talk about those two ingredients in particular because you've already sprinkled some hints of that here with us here today by talking about you being the mission statement kind of guy. You focusing on that. And obviously, what does a mission and purpose give us? It gives us that clarity, that North Star for us to follow. Why is it those two ingredients when it comes to getting people to that point that is so important? Courage and clarity. I think those are two fascinating ingredients for you to pull out. Yeah, that's a great question. So it goes back to uh, the distinction between doing leadership and being a leader. So uh, clarity is important in evaluating anyone's performance because when you go into, let's say, what we call the evaluation period, which is like, I, I, we know what that means, but it's just like the evaluation period sounds so freaking nerdy. But let's say you're gonna you're gonna be you're going into 2024 and you've got a performance appraisal at the end of the year. If you don't have clarity on the results you should be producing. So think about it like, it's almost like, uh, imagine you're at arts and crafts at camp back in the day. I used to, I used to do uh, uh, kids camps before I uh, started with the private jet company. So let's go back. You're doing crafts. You're doing like a friendship bracelet, right? We should be evaluating you on the quality of the friendship bracelet you produce. You produce a thing. So when we talk about creating results. We want to know, can you at the end of the year go, this is my portfolio of what I've created in the organization. If we go into the evaluation period, if we start 2024 and we say, this is what should be in your portfolio at the end of the year in order for you to have an A-plus performance, <clears throat> then we're in a position to actually give someone clarity on what it is that they need to achieve in order to perform. Now, as a leader, in order to give that clarity, you have to have an immense amount of courage because it's very easy as a leader to say, well, I'm not going to give that level of clarity because I just, I don't want to pin myself to anything. I just want to get to the end of the year and see how I feel about it. And that is, I mean, it's so problematic. First of all, your highest performers are going to want to know exactly what you expect of them. They're going to love the process of creating that. And they're going to want a fair way to be evaluated. If we're not evaluating based on the results, the clear results that we need uh, our teams to produce, then we end up evaluating them maybe on like what they're doing, not what they're producing. And we're really not evaluating them on what they're doing because we don't see what they're doing all day long, right? Imagine as a leader, you're trying to just watch all six of your staff. First of all, that's creepy. <laughs> Second of all, that's like worse than micromanagement. Third of all, it's physically impossible. You can't watch six people do their job all year long. You won't be doing anything. You can only watch one at a time, etc. So the clarity comes from saying by the end of the year, when you're going to get evaluated, if these are all the achievements in your portfolio, then that's an A plus performance. The courage comes from we don't know, right? We don't know what's actually going to be most effective for the business. We have some hunches. We have some gut feelings. We might have some data that guides us. But at the end of the day, like we live in a wild universe and you can't predict the future. And because of that, the hardest thing that I do with clients is go, we're going to commit to these results in the future. We don't know for sure if we can achieve them, but that's not going to stop us from trying. So the clarity piece is making sure that people know what they have to produce, not what they have to do or how they have to make you feel as a leader. And the courage is helping the leader stick to, all right, well, we don't know, but we're going to give this our best shot. 
Yeah, Kevin, what I'm hearing there, having been an entrepreneur for 16 years now myself as well, I started my first business when I was 19. What I'm hearing from you is a level of entrepreneurial and business, really, maturity that takes a long time for us to learn. I mean, these are things that for sure in my early 20s, I did not understand when you talk about basically finding comfort in that discomfort of the unknown because there's there's nothing really that we know. I think the older that I get, now I'm in my mid-30s, I've kind of accepted the fact that I don't know anything at all. I can have a bunch of hypotheses and I can test them, but that's the only way to start figuring those things out. And to really toot that maturity horn a little bit more for you, one thing that really strikes me the deeper I went into your business, Cape Coaching, which we're going to talk about at the end of today's episode, is Part of that maturity is also, I think there's a, a famous quote, I'm going to botch it here on the air, but it's something along the lines of the mark of a wise mind is the ability to hold two conflicting views at the same time. And Kevin, what that quote means for me is, is it really highlights the importance of and thinking. It's not this or that. Both of these things can be true. And so I'm just going to straight up read from your website. It says right there, under growth is hard, you wrote, too many founders struggle to scale their business while staying connected to the people in things they love. Kevin, societally, I feel like we've built up or thinking there where people think I can have the business of my dreams or I can be stable and grounded and have good relationships. Whereas your business exists for the and. I love that and thinking from you. Talk to us about that because I think it's so prevalent in all your messaging and the way that you operate and serve clients. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I would go one step further and say beyond even and thinking, it's then thinking. Because what we find is when our founders are rooted in the relationships that are important to them and the things that they want in their lives and the way they want to spend their time on a week to week basis, then the quality and effectiveness of their leadership and therefore of the results their business produces goes way up. And it happens for a number of different reasons. Number one, you're not going to win at business, especially as an entrepreneur in this business environment by going harder, just white knuckling it and like, ah, do more with more effort and more sheer force of will. Stop, stop. You're going to win by innovating and you're going to innovate by discovering creative solutions. And you are only going to discover creative solutions if you leave your mind space away from the work to relax and rest and have those eureka moments, right? No one has ever made a good idea. Good ideas are always some crazy gift from our subconscious or I don't know what the, the universe, however you want to conceive of that. But eureka actually comes from, I think it was Archimedes sat down in the bathtub, saw the water displaced in the bathtub and realized, oh, I've been working hard to figure out how to measure the volume of an object. Now I know that if I just put it in water, then I look how much the water is displaced and boop, now I have my answer. So <clears throat> when, a, when a founder goes or an entrepreneur or a leader goes, okay, I'm going to make time for myself to do things that I enjoy and nourish relationships that are important to me, then all of that like hard problem solving work that has been kind of clouding our, our focus and our energy and our attention <clears throat> works itself out in the back of our minds. And we have those moments where we go, oh, that's the change that we need to make. And so it's never about like, well, then I just kept putting the gas down harder. It's about I found another route. I found a smarter solution that got me there. And then beyond that, one of the things I see all the time is founders just absolutely sacrifice themselves. They just give up everything, their identity, their time, their relationships, their energy for the business. And then when their staff, their teams don't do the same things, they get resentful, which is, by the way, 
ridiculous because those teams don't have upside. And even if they do have upside, even if they do share in the profits, if you sell the thing, it's not even anywhere near as close to the upside that you have. So while the, there's, there's the fact that that's just ridiculous, but more importantly, when a founder or an entrepreneur starts to invest in the way they want to experience their own lives day to day and week to week, then that resentment is something that who they can kind of take a deep breath and let go of and they encourage their staff to take vacations they encourage their teams to go take a walk or to take friday off because they need it and then when that happens their teams start to perform better they start to think more creatively they start to problem solve instead of coming to the founder all the time and saying what do i do here what do you want me to do they go hey we need to make this change they take ownership they forward proposals they get things over the finish line without the founder having to hawkeye it all the time so it's less, I love what you identified there, but I'd go one step further than Anne thinking and say it's them thinking. When you invest in your relationships and yourself and your own energy and your own enjoyment as a founder day to day, week to week, then your performance will, uh, your, sorry, your business will perform at a level like you've not seen it perform previously. Yeah, I love how you shared that line of thinking with us, Kevin, and especially because you brought up one of my favorite words and concepts in all of life, not just business, which is space, having that space. And you showed the illustration of that eure eureka moment. How many of us have great ideas in the shower? That's for sure me. I love, I mean, I'll be in the shower for 40 minutes, steaming hot shower, and I leave that shower with all the answers that I've been looking for in life and business. And Kevin, I think that that's a counterintuitive piece of advice that I'm sure both you and I can relate to that is in our earlier entrepreneurial days, we want to go, go, go. We want to force it. I almost think about, I'm a visual person. I think about those Chinese finger traps where like mm -hmm. the harder you try to get your fingers out, the more you get caught in it. You have to ease that. And, and you've given us some examples of going for a walk, for example. I'm a big believer in that. For me, it's also going to play tennis. If I get to go play tennis for two hours in the afternoon, all of a sudden I'm thinking clear. Why? Because my brain is clear. There's space there for the right answers, ideas, creativity to come in. Talk to us about some of those other mechanisms because a lot of listeners are going to be sitting here thinking, Kevin and Brian, you guys are two old heads when it comes to entrepreneurship. You're simplifying <laughs> all of this stuff, but show us some realities. Kevin, you've worked with so many different executives of all different sizes. What are some of those strategies and techniques to at least keep in our arsenal and say, you know what, I'm going to turn to that to find more inspiration and creativity? Yeah, no, so I really appreciate that question. Here's why I think so much of my industry is so just foul and misguided. You need to do uh, ice baths, like cold plunges. You I, just, okay, if that's good for you, then that's good for you. But there's so much in like the personal development space right now that's still so oriented towards this culture of like, shame. You're not good enough. You got to push harder. You got to work harder than the next guy. You got, And it's just, stop. Everyone take a deep breath and stop. I have a client who uh, gets in big trouble with me when we jump on a call and she hasn't done her mani-pedi every Friday. The, the, the more like niche and unique and genuine it is, then the more likely it is to actually benefit you, right? So everyone knows all the cliches. I do think meditation is really powerful, uh, but I think a lot of people misconceive of the point of meditation. People are like, well, I can't get my, my brain to stay still, so I, I, you know, it doesn't feel good. Meditation 
meditation is just attentional control. You're just training attentional control. So every time you start to drift and you start thinking about something else, you go, uh-oh, my thoughts drifted and you come back to zero. That's like a rep. Speaking of reps, that's like a rep of controlling your attention. And so I don't love meditation from like, oh, you need to be doing it two hours a day and I'm TM, transcendental meditation. And I, I look, I, if it works for you, it works for you. But we've got to be careful not to be caught in this like refrain of like, well, should I be doing box breathing four, 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 or just four in, four out, or four, seven, eight? Like, okay. I mean, if you're doing all of those things from the wrong place and with the wrong energy and in intention, they're not going to serve you. They're just going to wear you down, wear you down, wear you down. We want you to like fill your cup and, and do things that are exciting to you or that feel good to you. So for me, I live in New York City. That's why walks are so big for me. I love to walk. I love to look around and go, this place is crazy. I see some of the wildest stuff that you just wouldn't believe. But I don't know, maybe you want to take up ukulele. Maybe you want to build Legos or like do a adult coloring book, uh, like with those like crazy patterns with colored pencils. Like I, don't overthink, well, what's the right habit? What's the right habit for me to do to, uh, I should listen to what Andrew Huberman says. <laughs> Andrew Huberman's great. Guy's a genius. I do crush him down a lot with my friends though and my clients because it's it's it was so caught up in like the flow of what you're supposed to be doing. And the whole point is you're supposed to be doing what you want to be doing. Stop asking what you're supposed to be doing. And that goes to results too. Don't focus on what you're supposed to be achieving. What do you want? If it's small and it's weird and it's unique and nobody else wants that, good. That's all the more indication that you're probably on the right track. Yeah, really well said. Kevin, I love your unabashed desire to really, I mean, it's right there in your bio to call out that BS because you're right, there's so much of it. And one thing that I've already noticed in our conversation here today is when you're hating on something personal development wise, the term that I hear you hate on, which I am fully aboard this is need to, you need to do this. It sounds to me like at the essence of your rebellious nature as an entrepreneur is questioning everything and anything that someone says you need to do because there's actually very few can't think of many need to things in life or in business. So I love the fact that you keep calling those things out. I want to push you a little bit more because I'm sure that listeners, they hear so much of your approach is obviously rooted in that tangible strategic business growth that comes from your then thinking of if I do these things, then I will start hitting my goals, start hitting my targets. What are some of those KPIs that you do pay attention to? Since there are so many misdirections and misleading things in the world of business and life, what are some of those results that we should be tracking? What are some of the metrics that show us we're moving towards that North Star we've set for ourselves? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's an interesting question because it varies so much by situation, by industry, by maturity of the business. Here's the important part to me. Choose some metrics choose some results. Now, when we say results, by the way, we might mean metrics, but we also might mean the things, the tangible things in the business that we believe are going to drive those results. So for instance, we might say, oh, okay, well, we need a uh, playbook, an operations playbook for how we do this. We need a, a customer service script for how we do this. We need a, a clear process or a tool or a template for how we do this. And those things internally can create clarity on how we expect to do the essential functions of our business. Now, you'll say, 
you might think if you're listening, oh, Kevin, you're punting. Just tell us the right uh, metrics. What are the right KPIs? No, I'm punting on purpose and I'm calling it out because I can't tell you the right KPIs for your business at your current maturity, for what your targets are, for what you want out of your life, for your industry. That's crazy. But what I can tell you to do is to write down ideally on something that's like a digital and you can and dynamic and multiple people can access it and you can track it for instance like a google sheet right like an online spreadsheet people are like oh i like monday.com and i like asana sure that's great but for tracking your results you can't have something that complex i love a spreadsheet because it's simple it's like whoop the second a spreadsheet gets too long there's too many results and you feel overwhelmed that means you have too many results to track so that's why the spreadsheet is honest that's why i like it but get clear on what results you want to produce whether it's metrics and kpis or like we want to have our playbook published internally by this date or we want to have uh, our clear like um, team meeting agenda established by this date and then track all of that and make sure you have a point uh, regularly at least quarterly where you look back and you say, okay, we said we wanted to hit these metrics and establish these tangible results, create these things in our business by these dates. Did we or did we not do them? And then whether we did or we didn't, what have we learned about whether or not they were going to move those metrics or create what we wanted in the business and in our lives? And it's that process of, look, wherever you might be or whatever KPI you think you might want to hit, if you're committed to patiently always learning from the results you do or do not achieve, then you have the courage to create your own clarity over time and you will win in the long run. <clears throat> the thing I'm going to keep going back to over and over and over again, there aren't shortcuts. Anyone who's selling you a shortcut is full of le doo and they're manipulating you and you're getting played player. Like <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Like there just aren't shortcuts. You got to be courageous. You got to create clarity and you got to look back and reflect and say, okay, what have we learned from those results we did or didn't hit and trust yourself, trust yourself that at the right time you learn the right thing and just keep going. Yeah, really sound advice. Listeners, I'm going to speak to you really quick for a second here because you're probably listening to this saying, why are Brian and Kevin talking so much about life and all of these external factors when we're here trying to grow our businesses? And that's at the very essence of what we create here at the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast is I firmly believe, and Kevin, I'm sure you join me in this, is that business in and of itself is not difficult. Most things in life are not difficult. We as human beings, we complicate them. It's why I've always loved that quote of we're confined only by the walls that we build ourselves. And Kevin, you've already called out imposter syndrome as one such thing that happens to hold a lot of people back. All of this stuff sounds simple, obviously. When we focus on the right things in life, when we focus on the right things in business, it seems so simple. Where do we mess it up? That's what I want to hear your perspective on. As someone who gets to work with a lot of people, Kevin, where do we as silly humans mess all these things up? Yeah. So you said it yourself, when we make them not simple, and then we say, well, it can't be that simple. It is that simple. Our psychology has evolved to protect us. And part of what it's evolved to protect us from is, uh, you know, like just feeling bad in general, feeling scared. We want to get to a place where we feel safety in our body. You were talking about nuance earlier. You want to talk about holding nuance, hold nuance in your body. And if, and if you're not familiar with that phrasing, like look that up and get you to therapy because that's like the best, <clears throat> the best progress you can make as a leader. But uh, ultimately, 
we we uh, we mess it up by making it not simple, right? What I was saying earlier about you have a one spreadsheet and that spreadsheet is how you track all your results. The second you get over like 15 results, it's too complex. And you'll experience that it's too complex because you'll look at that sheet and you'll go, oh, I can't get all this done. That's correct. You can't get all this done. So the number one thing I'd say is, look, <clears throat> list out everything that you could do or that you might like to do <clears throat> and then say, if I put target dates on these, when can I get them done? I can't get them all done. Here's And here's what I guarantee you're gonna do. You're gonna go, I'm gonna get these all done by next month. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not, but that's okay. That's part of the learning process. Put those target dates down, miss those target dates. And then th this is probably to answer your question straight up. This is probably where we go astray. We go, uh-oh, I'm missing those target dates. I don't like the way it feels to look at this spreadsheet and have my failure stare me in the face. So instead of looking at it and sticking with it, we're just gonna distract ourselves over here. What do we do over here? And we can't do that, right? That's where we go astray. Stick with what you committed to. I'm not saying you can't like pivot on your results, but the reality is your business success is simple and that's what makes it hard because we're so scared that we're not worthy, that we're not enough, that we have to prove it, that we make things more complex. And as soon as we get feedback from the environment that, oh, nope, we were wrong, then we turn away from it, especially if you're leading a team and you expect or you think that the team expects you to be perfect and have all the answers, that's a recipe disaster. disaster. So uh, we make it hard when we don't keep it simple. It really is that simple. And most of us don't realize that or won't buy into that because we're a little too scared to try it. And that's where the courage piece comes in. Boom. That right there, listeners, that is such a quotable and a knowledge bomb from Kevin right here in front of our very eyes. Your business success is simple and that's what makes it hard. That is such profound knowledge that we all need to take to heart. Put it on a post-it note, hang it on your monitor, look at it every single day. And I think that that speaks to it, that look at it every single day. Kevin, I'm sure you're like me and that there are things that either you say and you remind yourself of every single day, sometimes every single moment in the hard times, but it's the those things. And, and I think what you keep alluding to, it feels like we're dancing straight into an area that I think makes your coaching business super unique is obviously it's not just let's talk about these things, but it's also that key ingredient. Why do New Year's resolutions fail? This episode is here in January. A lot of you have New Year's resolutions. It's because we are terrible at holding ourselves accountable. So Kevin, I want to open the stage for you because I want you, we've heard from a million coaches. Any entrepreneur has always talked to coaches in a million different regards. We've heard them on podcasts. We've watched them in, in YouTube videos and read books about coaches and the power of coaching. Talk to us about your blend of coaching and accountability. What does accountability look like? Because if it's just, you're going to call me and say, hey, Brian, did you do the thing? Well, I'll just either lie or I'll just stop answering that phone. What does effective accountability look like? <laughs> yep. So, um, <laughs> you know, this is a little bit uh, self-serving, but effective accountability is the kind that you pay for. Uh, but seriously, there is something to the fact that if you're paying someone to do it, then we are going to beat your door down. And as long as you continue to pay, you have to continue to look at this spreadsheet that we agreed was going to have uh, your results by your target dates. Now, something that we do in our programs is uh, our mutual connection is actually uh, our accountability coach. So I work with you for three sessions uh, a month. And then in that fourth session, that fourth week, 
uh, my my business partner Manon comes on and only goes over results for with you. She doesn't talk about your solutions. She doesn't talk about your feelings about it. And you know her; she's like so kind and sweet, but she's ruthless on the results in the kindest, sweetest way. But it's super effective because now I don't have to go. Oh, I'm going to empathize with you for how hard that is. And then go, oh, but you still got to get it done. I'm going to empathize with you, empathize with you, empathize with you. But once a month, you're just going to have a hard look in the mirror without all the context and the empathy. You either made the progress or you didn't. And you can talk to me about that and how you feel about it the next week. But we separate out the accountability and don't do hey, I did or didn't make progress and this is how I feel about it or this is why. We actually only have four reasons that you delayed, that you're allowed to give for why you were delayed on a result. It's uh, you either didn't define the steps, you didn't schedule time to do the steps, you didn't keep the time that you scheduled to do the steps or the steps that you scheduled, you did keep the time and they took longer than you thought. You're not allowed to come up with any excuses other than that. You either weren't clear, you uh, didn't schedule it, you weren't committed, or you were wrong about how long it was going to take. And when you have to be confronted with that in that formula, it's pretty brutal, but it's effective over time. Yeah, Kevin, I'm going to call that out. I think that's so brilliant. It's not something that I hear. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of coaches. I don't often hear people state the importance of separating solutions from gauging your progress and those results. It reminds me of in the world of relationship advice. A lot of people say that when your partner wants to talk to you, first ask them, are you coming to me because you want me to give solutions or are you coming to me because you want me to listen? Those are separate things. They're separate functions in our brains. They're separate functions in how we take action after that. So I love that. And yes, huge shout out to Manon, one of my favorite humans on planet Earth. She's Dutch. So you're right. She she can be ruthless when she needs to be. Manon, when she's so in results kindly. mode. She's so kindly ruthless. It's so true. I think it true. makes it worse. It makes it worse because it's like she's not mad. She's just disappointed. <laughs> Gosh, that is so true. And actually, fun fact for you, Kevin, while we're here on the air is that Manon has actually been on this podcast before. It was all the way in episode 83. So, Kevin, you are episode <laughs> 759, but episode 83, Manon was on the show. And so, listeners, if you've been with us from the beginning, you remember Manon was pretty much not breathing through that entire episode because she is so, she wants that perfection and she demands high results for herself. And I love hearing the fact that she gets to work with so many of your clients here, Kevin. So that's awesome. I think it's so brilliant the way that you've structured not only your business, not only your life and the way that you operate, but also the way that you serve these clients. I think that I always say success leaves clues. And here you are showing us why your clients get results. And I just want to give a quick shout out. You said that it's a little bit of bias because you say when people pay, but I want to reiterate, it's something I say frequently with all entrepreneurs, those who pay pay attention. We've seen that so many times. So don't underestimate that. A lot of newer entrepreneurs, when you give your stuff away from, for free, my first ever online course I gave to all my friends, none of them got results. But how come the people that were paying for it were getting all the results? It's not because my course was terrible. It's because those who pay, pay attention. So Kevin, really good point from you about the accountability piece is pay for it and you'll start paying attention to it. So, so much wisdom from you. Kevin, I knew this would not be enough time for us here today, and I'm going to invite you back for an Action Saturday episode. But with that said, I want to give you the hard part of this episode with so many great takeaways, so much great knowledge and wisdom that you've shared with us here today. What's the action? What's the takeaway? For listeners sitting here saying, gosh, I've got work to do, and I've got a lot of food for thought, what's the one thing that you hope they do from here? 
Yeah, absolutely. Great question. You deserve good work that feeds your soul and supports your quality of life, right? Like this whole grind myself down or give everything up for the work. Stop. Stop. You deserve to be simultaneously happy in your life and with your life, right? So with your life being like your accomplishments and your progress in your life being the enjoyment of your day to day. And I'd say the number one way you can do that is uh, write out a schedule of all of the things, your non-negotiable work week, all of the things in a work week that you commit to do for yourself. Now it's a little confusing because you say non-negotiable work week, but that's because we don't want you to go, okay, well, if I had a vacation, I would, no, 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 no. In your regular work week, choose something like Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon, Friday night, and on Saturday, four different things maybe that you absolutely must do to be in service of yourself. For me, I need to cook. I need to go to the farmer's market. I need to do yoga and I need to walk. Walking's like more of a daily one for me. And then like, I like to do like a little social sports, so a little flag football, maybe a little volleyball. But those are things I do for my own enjoyment that no matter, I could work a 80 hour week, I'm not gonna miss those things because I'm committed to myself and my own enjoyment. And, and that and that drives not only my enjoyment of my, my life and my work, but my performance in both as well. Yes, amen to that. Again, listeners, this is such a theme of our content here in 2024 is those high standards for yourself, those high standards of excellence. And you're hearing from Kevin in his own personal life, those non-negotiables. Those are the standards in which we need to hold ourselves to if we want to live extraordinary lives and if we want to build extraordinary businesses and serve people. So Kevin, you've been such a wealth of knowledge. You have such a different style in the way you go about business and obviously the way you serve your clients. I know that listeners are going to be keen to check out more about you, your business, and all the great work that you do. So drop those links on us. Where should listeners go from here? Uh, capecoaching.com. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, my God. I hope you can edit this. KevinCape.com. KevinCape.com. Go to KevinCape.com. Top right, there's like a, there's a little box. You can see if you're eligible for a, uh, a free session with me. Uh, help you, uh, you know, set your goals and figure out where you want to go. And I could even help you figure out your non-negotiable work week. Yes, I love that. Kevin, we are not editing it because we love all of our imperfections. <laughs> Most importantly, though, I love how quickly you recover. And actually, it's probably going to help listeners remember it even more because we turn it into a joke. So KevinCape.com. <laughs> listeners, you know the drill. We're making it as easy as possible for you to find Kevin's business website, which his business is Cape Coaching. His business website is KevinCape.com. Check there those links go. down below. We're also linking to his personal LinkedIn. If you want to reach out to him, connect with him, thank him for sharing so much of his wisdom here today. So few people, I know I'm saying it at the end of a lot of episodes this year, so few people have the courage to do that action and expand their network and reach out to people who are so generous with their knowledge like Kevin is. So connect with him on LinkedIn, check out his business website at kevincape.com. Otherwise, on behalf of myself and all the listeners, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us here today on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's Brian here, and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. If you haven't checked us out online, there's so much good stuff there. Check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at theentrepreneurshow.com. And I just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests. There's a reason why we are ad-free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you, and it's because our guests step up to the plate. These are not sponsored episodes. 
These are not infomercials. Our guests help us cover the costs of our productions. They so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you, awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible. So thank you to not only today's guests, but all of our guests in general. And I just want to invite you, check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to theentrepreneurshow.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.